Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Do you have learned helplessness? Let me ask that again. Do you have learned Helplessness. Learn helplessness. Helplessness. Right? Learn to be helpless. Your, your advisor thinks you do. Your advisor thinks you have learned helplessness and it's your fault. But is it your advisor? Mm-hmm. Who really has learned helplessness and what is it? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about year-end planning because we're kind of getting that time. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be good because some of these things they're recommending are just make me cringe. Like like chalk uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. Then we're going to talk about minimizing client anxiety. That's the learned helplessness we were talking about. Ooh, that's remember, good. if you remember last show, I told you all these people coming out of the woodwork, all these advisors and advisory firms now talking about how to manage the client, mm-hmm. how to how to calm the client massage down, massage that relationship because because you lost them thirty percent. What that's are you going right. to do now? So and it's their fault um, because they listen to you. Anyway. <laughs> What's their and, money? And, right? and, yeah. and then we're going to do, and then we're going to do Michael's sector, the one of the strongest sectors with massive demand, a good fu- uh, a fundamental story. And then finally, we're going to do a day in the life of Ted. Yes, the neat freak who always makes his bed first thing when he gets up. <laughs> yeah. He does. He yeah. does. He, he was offended. It's his roommates. It's his roommates. I know. Mate. He's got but, a roommate but anyway, with. Yeah, it's we're, fine. We're going to talk about what he does and how he prepares and how he gets ready. But before we do that first, we got to get the disclaimer out of the way, folks. This is for your edification purposes and research and ideas and entertainment only. It is never, ever meant to be construed as independent individual investment advice. These are thought. These are ideas and concepts that you can do use and help for tax planning, retirement planning, making money, portfolio management. There's a novel thought. Um, but it's not meant to be specific investment advice. If you need want specific investment advice, either reach out to Don, myself, or Michael, or you can go to our website, or you can just talk to your own independent advisor. Okay, that's out of the way. Dan, yes. I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Um so when I was in IT, I, I noticed you have your initials on your shirt today. Oh, yes, I do. BMS. One of the systems that I managed when I was in IT was the document management system. So whenever I see DMS, I don't think of Daniel Melvin Stewart. Stewart. Melvin, Melvin, <laughs> no. Melvin. My Melvin brother, my, my, my dad, my, so all five kids are DMS. 
My dad, I guess, was Wait, cheap. Really? Oh, he wanted to pass oh, down monogram shirts. Okay. So my they were running out of names by my youngest brother, Drew. He wanted to name him, and I think Melvin was the middle name, because Melvin was my great uncle's name. Yeah. But they wanted he wanted to name him Dudley. And oh, my man. mom would not leave. <laughs> seriously. And my mom would not leave the hospital. She said, no, we're not naming him. And they wouldn't back then they wouldn't you gotta name your kid before you leave. I mean, yeah. you may not have to get the social security right away, but God forbid you can't go nameless, right? They got to put something on the birth certificate. And so she she held out for like two days, and they finally came out with Drew. Yeah, okay. Drew Miles. He's got the coolest name. Drew's, but anyway. Yeah, that works. Anyway. Uh, so, any, so anyway, the reason why I was talking about shirts is because I have a sister that's a, that's a wardrobe freak, and whenever you talk about events, she can tell you what you were wearing at that particular event. So I was looking in my closet this morning trying to decide what I was going to you know, what shirt I was going to pick out for the show. And I found myself asking myself, geez, if Ann was watching this, she would know what shirt I wore each of the last five shows or whatever. And I didn't know what I wore. And I was like, do people want to think I only own five shirts? If I'm people? So what I decided to do is this is going to be my uniform for the video. Every Friday, I'm going to put the shirt on for an hour and a half. I'm going to take the shirt off, hang it in the closet, wash it maybe once a month, and then put it, uh, Put it back on so every time you see me in the video this is going to be the shirt that i'm wearing and it's kind of symbolic because it's so colorful we've got green in here the color of money we've got uh, i live in florida so it's got the florida theme and it's got black like the souls of the trolls who uh reach out to us every once in a while <laughs> so that's your friday shirt that's the big show shirt this will be the the uh, the podcast podcast shirt. shirt. Got Not it. Because right. we because we don't always do the podcast on Fridays. Right. But right. Uh, so this will be the podcast uh, uniform, the official uniform. So so you're gonna wear that every 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 podcast, and you're every. not right. So now I don't have to worry about did I wear this shirt recently? Because the answer is always no. I didn't wear that one. I know which one I wore because it's my official uniform. And you're not worried that people are gonna think that's your only shirt in your wardrobe. <laughs> no, because I just I just explained it to everybody, right? But, but you're gonna have to explain it to every show. It. The new car. All right, I got it. I yeah. got it. That's pretty funny. Okay. That All right. Funny. So, I want to cover these topics in no particular order. Very quickly before I do, it's classic. This new uh, uh, what what is it? The Tuttle Investments or the they came out with the the short Kramer fund. I've been saying for years that they need to have a contra Kramer fund because he comes out and touts it. You know, he had that lightning round where people would call in on a stock. And he'd give like his opinion in, in 30 seconds or less yeah. and just go through it. Uh, but anyway, so. Booyah, Danny. Booyah. 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 Boy, I tell you what, you listen to Kramer and. <laughs> uh, 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 that was a bomb. Let's do that again. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway, but, but these, these people are the same people that did that Sark, that short. Kathy Woods ETF, it's up like 90% since inception because mm. it came out right when the market started going down and she's getting destroyed. But anyway, it's funny that someone's going to finally hold them accountable. I love it. That is fun. Anyway, <laughs> so, so I wanted to talk about a couple things that are interrelated. Uh, all these advisory firms and these actually marketing and, 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 and marketing and advertising firms that actually write for the advisory firms and put these nice, beautiful, uh, uh, monthly newsletters together. They're coming out with these articles year end, like what to do, how to engage your client, but also how to manage the client. Because clients right now are smarting, they're hurting, you know, especially if they've lost uh, 25% of their money. Absolutely. You know, and so they're very worried. But anyway, 
So a couple of things that will tie in together. And the year-end planning is one article. And by the way, all these articles that I do are are put on the podcast notes, and you can see you go read them yourself. Some Scroll are down short, to the show notes. Some That's are right. lost. And I got a, there are a few places that I go to a lot. They're kind of my go-to. Not because I actually use them for research for how we manage money in-house, but so the investors, retail investors can see what these companies are actually marketing to us as advisors, what they're telling us. Yes. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you. So anyway, um, so on this year-end tax planning, it's, it's this article says 11 year-end planning priorities to discuss with your clients. Okay. okay. It says portfolio review and rebalancing. And I'm thinking, we do that daily. Right. We, Don wakes up in <laughs> yeah. the morning, two hours, but well, wait, more than that, but hours before the market opens, and they're looking at it. We have a conference call with all of us, you know, an hour before the market open, we get ready. He's got two, co- I mean, we're rebalancing daily if we right. have to, right? So do, go rebalancing some arbitrary date uh, once a year, once a, a, a quarter, or one, semi-annually. Really? You don't have to make any changes at all in that time. You're just right. going to write it down and then, oh, now we rebalance. And also, when you rebalance, are you just picking the flowers to water the weeds? How mm. do you know you're not just, re- in other words, how do you know that, quote, target allocation that they love so much that you previously agreed to so when it blows up at your fault, how do you know that target allocation at the end of the year you want to rebalance to that target allocation? Maybe things have changed and you want a different allocation. I don't know, just me. But I mean, you have four or so macro global environments. You've got deflationary, inflationary, strong growth, slowing growth. I mean, there's about five or six. And you want a, even if you, I cringe when I say this, Don's going to reach through the screen and slap me. Even if you believe in that pie chart mentality, we don't, but if you do, you should have a different long-term pie chart for different environments. And so just having a static uh, thing that you rebalance back to may not, you, I mean, you got to revisit that all the time. Right. So anyway, we do that on a daily basis and we're p- reviewing the portfolio daily, not quarterly, not monthly, not annually, not, an, no, definitely not annually. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Oh, uh, <laughs> by the way, year? you're down 30% and here's my bill. Yeah. Oops. Um, um, that's, <laughs> Are you going to bring up uncle Tony's email relative to that? Uh, that he sent this week relative to the disaster that target date funds have been. Oh, please go year. ahead, mon yeah. frere. Tar- target, good, good email by Uncle Tony, friend of the show, uh, talked about how target date funds, they're named target date because they target your wallet, is what they <laughs> was pretty clever. That's a, I think he said he got that line from his dad, so good for Tony's dad. Well, I but told him we'd give him credit about, for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about the the huge problem that's just now being uh, discovered and put on display for everybody is that target date funds move you progressively more to bonds as you get older, thinking that moving to the bonds will cushion your downside because bonds are supposed to go up when stocks go down. But bonds have been going down in tandem with stocks this year. So anybody that thinks that they're going to get a cushion is, uh, is in for very rude awakening when they start opening their quarterly statements and seeing that the supposed safety of these target date funds is no safety whatsoever. And it's it's not just people in target date funds. This is blowing up people's risk models worldwide because uh, back in the 70s for a short period of time, stocks and bonds went down 
uh, correlated, but normally one zigs when the other one zags, or they don't move as closely in tandem yes. as they are this year. Uh, but uh, this year is somewhat unprecedented. Uh, but I, we follow the trend at Revere. And as I said in the video last night, it's like trying to have a balanced diet, but eating rotten vegetables. You're, you're not going to do that, and nor should you have a rotten asset class in your portfolio. So the trend is down on bonds. The long-term trend is down on stocks. Follow the trend. Stay out of the way. Lose less than the market. Preserve your capital and get ready for the when the trend changes. Plain and simple. Target date funds, no good. Yeah, well, it's like we used to, uh, we always say, you know, Vanguard is a cheap, cheap, cheap way to lose money fast in a bear market. They're very good funds on the way up because they're inexpensive if you want just beta passive exposure to an index or a sector. But on the way down, they're just as bad as anything. Now, look, stocks hate you. Get, get, let's, let's get to the chase. Just take the position that every stock hates you. Don't get married to the story. Don't get married to the idea. And if it's going up, I like it. If I'm going down, I don't like it. Right. And that's the bottom line. You got, I'm not talking about little minor you know, changes. I'm talking about the big picture. But to Don's point, everybody keeps comparing this market to 2008, and it's not. This is like 1977 to, to, to 1980. And, and, and bonds and stocks over the long, long term are slightly positively correlated, but there are times that they're inversely correlated, right? And that's what Don was talking about. They don't really, they kind of zig and zag different times, but, but they kind of follow the business cycle a little bit. But during in high inflationary times, they become positively correlated to the downside. So inflation is like kryptonite to bonds. It's worse than rising interest rates. And now you got both. And so bonds are just getting destroyed. I said this last week. You know, my mom, 90 years old, she lives in an independent living, you know, apartment. And on her hall, all these widows, because most of the husbands are dead now. Um, there are a few. Uh, wow. but, but, but they're all freaking out because they've lost 20. People don't realize treasury bonds are down around 30%. Yeah. Treasury bonds. Mm. Remember? They're, the government says those are risk-free. Okay, but, you know, as long as you hold them to maturity, of course, you may be dead holding a 30 year treasury, but that's beside the point. Um, it's really when you need the money. Anyway, these ladies are 90 years old and they don't have long term. They're not going to hold it for 20 years because they're going to be dead. Right. Right. So now they've lost 25 percent of the portfolio and they're nervous. My mom's down single digit and she's going, man, this isn't so bad. It, it's a little hurt, a few cuts, but I've, I've seen this rodeo before. I, you know, it can recover. I, it's recoverable. Sure. You lose 25%, you got to make 37.5% before you're even even. That's hard to come back. The from more that. you lose, the more you got to make back. Compounding works both ways. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important. Anyway, so that's, that was a great point, Don. So, tax, and so the second point, so that was the first point portfolio review and rebalancing. Okay, rebalancing, we don't believe in, we just, it just don't. Well, we rebalance according to each individual asset, not just some big group. And we also do a portfolio review daily, not quarterly. Yeah. If your guy's not watching your portfolio every single day, ask him why. Yeah, give him a call. Ask him why. <laughs> are you playing golf? What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Okay. Now, then the next one is tax loss harvesting. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, we don't really have to do that at the end of the year because we do that as soon as the stock breaks. Remember, right. we keep losses small. You want to keep losses to single digit, yeah. right? And if you do that, so, it, and, and you, when you buy a stock, you'll know within the first week or two whether it's going to work out or not, whether you're, and so when we buy stocks, usually a couple will break down right away and they'll get sold for small losses, two, three, five, eight percent, right? Mm -hmm. But then you'll have some that work out and they'll go up 
and you'll have some that are single-digit gains or low double-digit. They'll kind of wash each other out. And then you'll have a couple that absolutely just go gangbusters, and that's where a majority of your gains are going to come from. Now, if we knew which stocks those were in advance, we'd just buy those. Of course, I'd own a small island in Hawaii, and I wouldn't have to be worrying about this, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's a law of, of numbers. And Don's gonna actually going to talk about that a little bit later, about, about the numbers. But anyway, loss harvesting, if you haven't done it, do it. If you've got an advisor, look, if you've got an advisor that, that, that tells you, well, it's not a loss until you sell it, what? It's a loss the moment that thing went down. That's right. It's just whether you're going to pay tax on it yet or not. Okay? And, and, and you know how to have a loss turn into a much bigger loss? By not stopping the bleeding and not selling it. But anyway, if you haven't done loss harvesting in taxable accounts this year, you need to go do that. Why? Because you can absolutely offset future gains. Okay? So I know that I'm going to get a... T- the only reason you wouldn't book a, a material loss in a taxable account is if you think that stock is going to go up at least a long-term capital gains rate, 20% for most people that have investments, might be a little bit lower, but but 20% in the next 30 days, you can buy the same stock back in 31 days, mm-hmm. okay? Or you can buy a similar stock right away. You could sell Merck and buy Pfizer, okay? You can find a stock that moves in tandem if you really want to have that same risk profile. But the whole point is if you lock in that loss, you are, you are going to be able to offset gains in the future, and you can swap it out for something else. So I agree with the law, tax loss harvesting. What I don't agree with is they let them go too long, and they let these losses turn into big losses, yeah. 30%, 40%. If, if you look in your portfolio and you have anything, anything over 20% loss or even 15 you need to ask what, what the hell's going on. Why are you, who's watching the store? That's our opinion. Okay. Now, uh, tax planning. I agree hundred percent. It's a little bit tougher now because people uh, with the new, with the tax, with the Trump tax deals at sunset in 2026, they doubled the, the standard deduction and cut out a lot of the, uh, itemized. So it's harder for most people. Now, self-employed people, there's still quite a few things you can do. You're also paying the self-employment tax, but there's things you can do. So that's too complicated to go into here. Reach out to me if you've got questions on that. Charitable contributions, if you're going to do charitable giving, absolutely. And by the way, you can actually donate an appreciated stock and not have to pay the tax, capital gains tax. Mm. So if you got a taxable gain, you can do it directly to the charity and you got to do it right and you don't pay the capital gains and you get the, whole, the write-off of the value. Now, same thing with IRAs. You can, you can do a distribution directly to the charity, made out to the charity, and you can avoid that. That get you got to do that right though. So if you're not sure, reach out. Beneficiary designations, absolutely. You want to get those correct up front, and then you just need to make changes anytime there's life cha- planning events. Medicare enrollment, it's right now. Do not miss that. You're on med. If you're older, yeah. you need to do that. Don't do miss that. Roth IRA conversions. Those are special situations. You need to reach out and talk to me or your advisor on that. That's I don't want to get too complicated on that. The impact of any 2023 Medicare, Social Security increases, retirement withdrawal strategies. So now they're just kind of talking about the overall planning. That's fine. Good. Let's do it. Okay. And plans for the future. What does the people want to do? What are their goals? You know, realistically, you got to revisit those. I agree with all those last few. The first two I take umbrage with is the portfolio review and rebalancing because that should be done on a daily basis, not quarterly or annually. And then the lost harvesting, you got to do it right away. 
Do not let those losses get out of control. All right. So those first two, the portfolio rebalancing and the lost harvesting, those are kind of dovetailing into this next topic, which was kind of the, the, the main topic of this thing. Because when I read this article, it actually kind of made me a little mad mm. because I've seen 15 or 20 of these articles every week for the last three, two, three weeks. And they're coming out. Oh, everyone's, I mean, like, I mean, they're all Wells Fargo. I mean, they're all sending them out yes. saying, okay, now we know you're nervous. We, we remember it's a long-term plan. Just stay the course. Ah. It's going to be all right. And we're probably, we're most likely doing a bottoming process right now. You have no idea. It could go down another 20, 25%. You, you don't know. So I take umbrage with that. Anyway, so this, the topic is minimizing client anxiety. That is actually the topic. Oh, the topic of the article is follow these five steps to minimize Client anxiety. Oh, I got to hear this. Okay. Now, now he's saying um, it's the external, that, that it's the externality, externalities, like outside events that gets the clients riled up, but the client should concentrate on their personal benchmark. It, uh, he's talking about how when they focus on the U.S. economy and things they can't control, then it gets them, it makes them feel you know, like they're, they're losing control. They're, they're, it makes them anxious. Uh, here's a thought. If you have a cell discipline, you don't lose them 25%. Right. They're not as anxious even if the economy's going down. They're not anxious because the economy is slowing or we're in a recession. They're anxious because they lost 25%. Right. You're losing a quarter of their money. Yes. That's why they're anxious. Yeah. They're freaking out. They're going, what in the hell are you doing? I'm paying you to watch my crap. What are you doing? That that is where I get it. Uh, sorry, did I get a little bit riled Don, up there? Don I love that. Dan. Here, Don. I love it. Dan, can you explain to me how two people that have a CFA can have completely paradoxical views as you do, and the guy on uh, Twitter that I spar with, who I call NeuroWealth, because <laughs> he fiddles while his clients' accounts are burning. Listen, you know, you can't look. That's a great question. Is there a better way? Look, let's be honest. They want to try to create, when I say they, I'm talking about the investment industry. We call it the traditional advisor brotherhood, tongue in cheek, obviously. But, but, and then we now with politically corrected, maybe the, uh, the uh, traditional advisor brother and sisterhood, both brotherhood and sisterhood. But the problem is they want, they want to have things that they can replicate and have in a cookie cutter approach. Yeah. So based on your age and your station in life, and your position, you get a number 12 pie chart if you're aggressive. If you're moderately aggressive or kind of conservative, you get a number 10 pie chart. And if you're a wimp, you get a number eight, right? And everybody, once you fill out their little risk profile, you get that, that same thing. And everybody gets like the target date funds, right? It's the lifestyle. Fund. You fit in lifestyle number 2035, right? And then they get to blame your the the document that you filled out when they explain the losses. Yeah, well, yeah, they pull you it out. Said it's, you had de this deniable you said culpability. This had this tolerance, yeah. maybe, Mister. Maybe you're a risk tolerance. And here's that's the other thing that I have a problem with. So <laughs> I said this to the regulator when they audited me, and she thought I had a horn growing out of my head. I said, you know, it's really not as much as the client's risk tolerance. It's really the risk of the market, the sector, the stock itself is much more important. She looked at me like I was an alien, not from another country, from another planet, right? Sure. And so, and so, you know, look, 
you, you, we dial up and down risk on a daily basis because it's how much risk is in the market. Mm-hmm. That's how we're only down single digit. We're not down 20, 25%. That's the difference. You manage risk first, the returns will take care. And is it scary? Yeah. I mean, if you're not a little nervous, you don't understand the deal. I mean, we may be doing a bottoming process right now. We've had a couple, three or four false starts. We tried to get in, tried to get it. We just did it yesterday and the day before and got nicked a little 1%. Market got nicked four, three or four or five. It's different, okay? So you, and, and Don will talk about all that in a minute. But the whole point is you need to, it's the market's time horizon that you got to dovetail your time horizon with. Because quite frankly, the market doesn't give a damn about you. And it doesn't give a damn about me or Don or Michael or Ted or anybody. It's good. It's on its own time horizon and it will run you over case in point bonds. All these retirees that were told, Oh, you're 70 years old. You need 70% in bonds and only 30% in equities because we're lazy. And that's just a stupid rule of thumb. The heuristic we learned because we don't, we can check our brain at the door. Never mind that the super cycle 40 year interest rate cycle has stopped going down and rates are rising and we've got inflation. Gee, let me look and see what happened last time to bonds when that happened. Ooh, it was the 70s. Ooh, they lost 30%. Oh, we're down 30% now. Imagine that. Of course, if you were Don, you looked at the charts months ago and you went, wow, these bond ETFs are really starting to roll over hard and they're starting to get whacked. Let's make sure none of our clients have any of these. Right. Right? That's how you manage risk. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit excited. Can't help it. I just, so anyway, I'm going to read you a couple of these because I know Don will love them. Maybe, maybe get him a little bit. So it says, so here are the five things you got to do. And he says, you can't do the last two without first doing the, the first three because what did he call it? Um, because they'll get, uh, God, stall for me, stall for me. They'll, they'll reject it for some reason. I can't remember what he called that. But he said, first of all, you need to empathize with your client. You need to listen deeply and connect something within yourself that gets what's going through your client's head, what your client is going through. Uh, Newsflash, your client's lost 30%. That's what he's going through. He's freaking out because he's going to retire in 10 years and you're losing his money. That's why he's freaking out. So let's be very clear. Okay. Normalize. Normalize the client's behavior so that you understand where it fits in their larger financial worldwide view. Don, are you a global citizen? Does it fit in your worldwide blue? No, I just don't want you to lose me more money. God, these guys need to focus on how to learn how to manage investments and have buy and sell rules rather than putting you in a pie chart and then going and gathering more assets and farming it all Right, out. they shouldn't be focused on damage control. Yeah, exactly. They should be focused on oh, that, damage that's, that's what I should. That's exactly right. Yeah. All these articles for the last month are about damage control. Mm-hmm. How do you minimize... People leaving, walking out the door because they're pissed. Yeah. They've hit their, oh, I know what I was saying earlier. So people, risk tolerance changes with what the market's doing. So when the market's going up, everybody wants in. When the market's going down, everybody turns into a wimp. Mm-hmm. So that risk tolerance questionnaire that you filled out, even though we do it, the regulators want it. Okay, that's fine. Here you go. And it is got some importance because some people are too jittery to have high beta growth stock, whatever. But, but. For the most part, it's really more about the market, how much risk. Number three, purpose. Work with a client to examine their behavior relative to their stated goals and values. Um, Their stated goals is try to make money. 
and in an ugly market, try not to lose me a whole lot. That's their stated goal. If you could handle the so anyway, uh, and then it says um, um, once the relationship foundation has been laid with the first three steps, only now can the advisor to begin into the math, facts, and figures and science behind the potential steps. Mm. Oh my God! See, Don looks at the math, facts, and figures immediately and sells defensively and buys when the risk is good, and he uses math first. So he doesn't have to have that, I'm sorry, I lost you 30% discussion with his client. True. That's, that's, he, he shows some of that math off every week in the video. Oh, yeah. So they, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's called the backfire effect. Ah. If you don't do the three first, you're going to get a backfire effect on the last two you try to implement, which was proof and process. So the proof is you can show them the facts and the process, they can, they can experiment with this new behavior and you can give them some homework and hopefully watch some, some podcast. Well, I hope you're watching po- Don's podcast every night. We tell you what we're doing. We actually go over everything right. we, we do. Weekly and, videos for free. Anyway, that's the whole point on that. They're talking about how to minimize the client's anxiety, and we have a totally different take. If you don't, get your client, if you don't let your client get steamrolled, they won't have a lot of anxiety. Now, are, are some clients a little nervous right now? Sure, absolutely. Because it is tough. It, this, is a hard, this is the hardest part of the market right here, trying to find the bottoming process. You know, at COVID, in COVID, we had a V bottom where it bottomed out and it just went up from there. Because the Fed and that came out and announced, hey, guess what, guys? We're spending $3 trillion of funny money and we're buying everything. We're buying stocks. We're buying bonds. We're loading up the boat and the market just took off. Right. The Fed is not doing that right now. This is a totally different market. So if you're looking for that easy V bottom, uh, that ship has sailed. Mm. It's we've already proven that we're not even at a W anymore. We're at like, you know, three W's in a row where it's stopped and started four, five, six times. It's trying to establish a bottom, but it's still indeterminate whether we're going for a third leg down, which could easily be another 15 or 20 or 25 percent. People don't realize that this thing may not be over. OK, yeah. I've got to be supple enough in my mind that the market could just have a rip snort and rally from here and just how'd you like that texas term uh don rip snort and rally rip snort and rally rally from here or it could crash from here i don't know yeah i don't pretend to know i'm not going to forecast anything i'm very good in economics and you really don't want to hear my economic forecast but that doesn't mean the market can't go up right right that doesn't mean the market can't go up but it also doesn't mean the market can't go down So my question is, do you have learned helplessness, right? Helplessness. Or is it your advisor? Yes. And if you have learned helplessness, in other words, you're feeling helpless about your portfolio, maybe, just maybe, it's your advisor's fault. Instead of all these articles talking about how to manage the client and how to manage their frustration and their pissed offnessness. I know that's not a word. I made that up. Mm-hmm. No, it right. absolutely is a word. <laughs> but why, why, don't, why don't you take some technical analysis classes, some fun, learn, get better at what you do, learn how to protect their downside, or hell, hire us and we'll do it for you. There you go. I mean, you know, you got to do something different. That's right. Because you go through this every couple, three years. Yeah, last time was COVID. This time, I mean, you know, anyway. 
I digress. I think I've beaten that to death. I, I just want to bring that up because, I, and I said this last week, all these articles, in fact, a few months, a few shows before that, I even said, just watch. You're going to see all these articles come out, start to come out about how to manage the client because this happens every big downturn. All of a sudden, you see all the tenor change. We've seen this before. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen, I've seen this movie, uh, like Top Gun. All yeah. right. So, if you feel like you just might be missing something, reach out to us. We'll be happy to uh, to go to to go through this. Um, and clients that that still had a few, like new clients that came on board and they you know put a few hundred thousand with us and they still had a bunch of money on the outside because they were kind of testing us and seeing, right? Mm-hmm. They're now going okay, I get it, and because they're still getting killed on the other side, right? And so they get it because they see the. 20, 25%, right? Mm-hmm. They, they feel that. Yeah. So anyway, um, all right. Don, do you want to jump in there and add anything on? I, you look like you were putting something up there and you wanted to say something, but. Well, I showed a nice downtrend uh, chart of the TLT, which is the, the treasury bond that you were talking about. And this, this just exemplifies what we avoid. We, we don't buy things in downtrend. This is a downtrend. What is that year to date? Lower lows, lower lows, lower highs. Uh, they're down over thirty percent year to date. Ooh, ooh, that hurts. What about Tony's? I, this, I, sh- okay. I showed this in one of the videos uh, this week. Year to date, ELT is down thirty one point six percent. S P five hundred. Uh, in by contrast, is only down 23.2%. Actually, it's more than that now. I don't think this is including today. Uh, but the uh, an overall bond, uh, you, you don't normally just buy treasury bonds, but even a bond portfolio, which would be a mixture of durations, is down 16.2%. And that's, the, that's what people would expect to be up to three maybe percent uh, when you see the S&P down like that. But that's not what you're getting this year. Here's even a bigger tell, Don. So think about this, folks. If the broad total bond market index is only down totally, <laughs> I'm not being facetious, only down 16, 17%, and treasury bonds are down 30, that's telling you that investment grade bonds are down much less than treasuries. That means investors feel more secure with corporate investment grade bonds than they do treasury bonds. <laughs> I guess there goes that risk-free, uh, no-risk uh, 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 belief that the government has. Yeah, it sure is. Man. Okay, uh, do you want to quickly bring up that, uh, remember that email you got from that guy from England? Yeah, very nice email. Um, a lot of people reach out, say, say thanks, and a lot of people just stumbled across us from that interview we did with Richard Moglin of uh, Crater Lion back in June. And... Uh, he says thanks for the daily videos. Uh, I'm I'm a form, I'm in I'm in IT right now, so he he sees the um, the comparison of skills that you get from IT and how they carry over to uh, trading and analyzing markets. He says he's I'm still trying to find my feet in the market, uh, but I have been lucky enough to manage uh, getting out of the way of the downtrend. He's only down low single digits year to date, uh, but the problem is being from England, he has to deal with forex issues which even if he's making a small amount on a trade, uh, the Forex conversion costs them his profit. 
And then he asked a couple questions. How long did it take you to master your entries exit on an individual stock? Do you automate this with technology? I find I am entering late and then probably exiting too late as well in this market. I've had quite a few trades where I have a small gain, less than 10%, which then turns back into a small loss, minus 1% to minus 3% or something like that. I love your uh, protection gauge and how you assess the overall market conditions to determine your risk on, risk off mode. Um, and then he says, he's wondering that the problem that he's going to have, he's not re-entered yet in October. Getting back in is a mental challenge I need to overcome. Any steps uh, have you taken to overcome your mental block? Excellent letter. And thanks for the kind words, Michael from the UK. So what I said is, uh, Thanks for reaching out. Congrats on protecting your capital. This is a great topic and one I'll address on the podcast. And Dan read the email and said to me, you should talk about that on the podcast. Uh, so when Dan and I are in agreement, it's a lock, right, Dan? <laughs> the stars are lining up. It's so, right. Yeah. So I said, for me, overcoming fear was directly related to knowing that my system has a net profitable expectation. This is very important. A lot of people say, trade your plan. But do you know if your plan is net profitable at the end of the day. Do you know what your one loss rate is? Do you know what your average win percent is versus your average loss percent? So knowing that my system has a net profitable expectation and that small losses will always be part of that system. In short, you have to meticulously track your trading stats, know your win loss rate, as well as your average win and average loss percent. After that, the trades are just check marks in the various columns, meaning big win, uh, small loss, have to completely eliminate big losses from the equation. So for me, I risk on average 0.2% of the total portfolio for each 4% size I put on. This is the equivalent of taking a 5% loss on a 4% position. This is known as your R, your capital R, which is your risk per trade. You need to strive to achieve at least a plus two R gain for every minus one R loss. So in other words, if your win rate is 50-50, meaning your gains and your losses are in sync, you'll make twice as much on your gains as you will on your losses, so your system has a net profitable expectation. And then sometimes in markets like this, you, you don't get to the plus 2R, and one of the tactics that you have to try is taking partial profits. For example, that will prevent those small gains from turning into losses, so maybe you take partial profits at your plus 1R, in other words, if you're risking 0.2%, you get to 0.2%, you sell half of it, and then you raise your stop to break even. That's assuring uh, that you're going to be profitable on the trade. And then you definitely have to do a post-trade review afterwards. Track your stats, know what your last 50 trades are. And if your stats are starting getting out of whack, that's either the market telling you that it's not healthy, or maybe you're not following your rules, which will lead to the profitable Net, net profitable expectation on your trading plan. So, so maybe doing the post-trade review will jump, it'll jump out to you what you're doing. And very often what you're doing is chasing stocks. So they're up too far. They're not at a low risk entry point. And then they go up a little bit and then they reverse back to a normal resistance level, but that normal, or sorry, a normal support level, but that support level will get you stopped out. Uh, very frequently, that's what uh, you'll discover in your post-trade review, and that's why you can't buy extended stocks. You have to consider FOMO, fear of missing out. Strike that away, and you got to be worried about Fogel, right, Dan? Fear of going low, lower. <laughs> fear of going lower. I like that. 
So good, uh, good email, Michael from the UK. Thanks, and um, some tips for dealing with uh, those situations. So, so a couple of gold nuggets in there. One thing he said was losses are always, and he actually put that in all caps in his email response. Always part of any investing. So you you got to accept that up front, right? You got to yes. accept that as a fact and be okay with it. You got to embrace that. Then you got to look, but but if you keep your losses small, it's it's much more palatable. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's saying, look, there's 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 four different scenarios: big gain, small gain, big loss, small loss, and all we're trying to do is cut the big losses out. Okay, so the three you have left are small losses, and then uh, small gains and big gain, and it makes it much easier. But it, it's also managing the risk makes it very. Very important, Don. That's that you'll was. A, you'll have a lot. You'll have a lot. Yeah, you'll have a lot of break-even trades too, which means you go uh, when, once you raise your stop. You want to raise your stop to break-even as quick as is feasible, so that especially in a market like this, so that if it turns against you, you can uh, at least get out with break-even. So uh, a bunch of trades should be considered. You know, if you're talking about win and loss, a lot of them will be ties. Maybe it's you know plus or minus a ten right, percent consider right. that a tie and just cross cross those off. But, but if you don't meticulously know the position sizing, so when Don was talking about, you know, 0.2%, any position, he doesn't want to have a total impact on the portfolio of 0.2% loss, right? It's yes. 0.2, Don? Yes, right? 0.20. Yep. Right. And, and so if you take a 5% loss on a 4% position, you buy $100,000, you buy $4,000 of a stock, and you get stopped out at 5%, that's going to have a 0.2, a negative 0.2% position on the overall portfolio. So if you don't have a, when you buy something, if you don't position that, si- that, that stock accordingly, and it's going to vary depending on the volatility. So a more volatile stock may be 3.5% position or 3.8, not 4, not a full position, right? Mm-hmm. So you adjust that so that you hit that. So it's not only about buying good stocks it, when they're timely at the right time, but also your position sizing because it's the construction of the po- overall portfolio in addition to the individual's stocks within your portfolio. And by the way, I'll answer Don's, Don was being a little humble. The other guy said, how long did it take you to learn this? It took Don years, a lot of blood equity, sweat equity, I mean, look, he's made every mistake you've made, and 50 you haven't even thought about yet, okay? Right. I mean, this is trial, and he, and, but he's also so meticulous and detailed that he journals it, and he reviews, he reviews every quarter, and he reviews every year. He shares the Goes through every, And so if you're not doing that kind of meticulous detail, you're playing with, I hate to say this, you're a retail client playing with sharks. And by the way, there's lots of advisors doing the same thing. They just buy, oh, it's a good stock. It's Apple. It's a good stock. We'll just hold it. Uh, what did Apple do? Where's that thing again? Where'd, how's Apple been performing? <laughs> all right. T- all, all these things. Okay. So anyway. All right. Tesla's I think, the, I think we. Tesla is the big one lately. Tesla's yeah. Tesla's a big one. Yep. With Musk, Musk buying Twitter, there's the, the word on the street is he has to sell $11 billion, billion more of Tesla. In order to get the deal final, ouch! And uh, that's putting a lot of pressure on Tesla stock. Yep, yep. And so it doesn't matter how well you like the story; it's what is the stock is doing. Remember, price is truth. 
That's what you should tell your advisor when he when 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 you ask him what is your or her what is your cell discipline? What 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 is your cell discipline? Well, well, you know, then say price is truth. See if they get puzzled. Mm. All right. We've talked about that. It goes, folks, if you've got any questions, just reach out to us. Just email me, dan at revereasset.com. You can also call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. All right, let's get in here because I know t- 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 uh, uh, Zach is on a time crunch. Michael, we are bringing Michael Ramos on now. Como estas, Michael? Ooh, I think, he's on, I think he might be muted. Hold Hola. On. Stand by. <laughs> Senor Michael. Hold on a second. Let me let me troubleshoot this for a second. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, still nothing, Michael. Ted hasn't joined yet. Uh, Ted has. Ted is. Eventually. Well, let's let's do it. Let's let's skip Michael and come back him. to him, and we'll do a day in the life of Ted, the neat guys, freak. Ted, how are you? I'm good. Good. Can you guys hey. hear me? Uh, we can hear you fine. Perfect. So. Ted, where's the beard and mustache? Oh my god! Again. <laughs> Don's really determined to make that thing. All right, it's he's going to look so good when he comes on one of these days with his with his beard and mustache. Maybe, maybe for Halloween, right? We're coming up on it. Yeah, we are uh, in October. Absolutely. Right. Are you going for Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, the Johnny Depp look. Johnny yeah, that, Depp, that, yeah. That be, right. yeah. I think we're just trying to get him to look like he's not eighteen four, years right. old with that that gorgeous baby face that he has there. Yeah, I but think that, he's wicked smart. Though. I think he'll look great, Ted. Never grow yes, up. Yes, he is. <laughs> Yes, All right, Ted, let's talk right, about Ted, a day we'll, in we'll your life. Talking now. Yeah, so I, I know we had some issues with an unmade bed, but my bed is made. Hey! Uh, that isn't made right now because he's doing his laundry. But I have a really regimented schedule in my day. I wake up around 6.30 each morning, and, I mean, immediately I make my bed. So it's made. Um, afterwards, I do, like, the normal stuff, brush my teeth, wash my face, and get dressed. And afterwards, this is where... It gets serious. I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes and that's where I relax. I kind of like zone in on my mind and I, I find a sense of equanimity. And then after that, I read a page of the Daily Stoic, which is, give me one sec, which is written by Ryan Holiday. Um, And each page is kind of just a quote from Stoicism and then his interpretation of it. I really like this philosophy because it's, it's honestly like, it's known as the philosophy of living a good life. And I want to live a good life. So I study philosophy as well. Afterwards, I journal and I, I ask myself three questions in the morning. The first one is, what are like difficulties that I see myself going through today? And that question prepares me for any potential difficulties. So when they arise, I'm ready for them. And I'm already, I already primed myself for those difficulties. And then the second question I think is really important. I just list a few things that I'm grateful for every day because like through all the distractions, stresses, in life it's it's good to like reflect on things you like things you currently have and things that you are grateful for and then finally my last question i ask myself is what is the most important thing to get done today and having that like point of focus is really important heading into each day and so after that i go to the gym for about an hour and i do various exercises and i do that five to six times per week so after the gym i come home I review the markets a little bit, <clears throat> write my pre-market report and send it to Don and Dan. And then I attend the 9 a.m. pre-market call with all the Revere guys. Wow. And then so after, sorry? I said, wow, no, that's a lot, you got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, and then so after that, classes are usually like 10 to four here or there, like depends on the day. 
and I do studying from that like period of time afterward. And I also check the markets periodically, but it's, it's sometimes pretty tough with biology exams that take hours of studying. Um, so post-market, I review the market. I look at the indices, sectors, individual stocks. I screen stocks and then I write my post-market report that I sent to Don and Dan. And so going to the nighttime, I also journal again. And I ask myself like what I did well today, what could I have done better? And then how will I improve on tomorrow? And then I go to bed. That's very impressive. Full day. Prays and meditates in the morning and then reviews his day at night. Wow. Ted, how did you, how did you get into that, uh, that, um, trading routine in the morning, in the morning with the, uh, with the meditating and, and with the, uh, with the journaling and all that. So how long have you been doing that and who, who impacted journaling? you? And I have a, I have a 697 day streak of journaling. Oh, and Lord. so I've been doing it for what, nice. like a year and a half now and meditating. How'd you, I've get, been probably how'd you get started on that, on that routine? What was there, was there somebody, a book that you read or something or, uh, Oh, I read what, what the was your inspiration? Yeah, I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Erod, I think. And then I also read 5 a.m. Club by, I forgot the author's name, but those two books. And they talk about how important a morning routine is to set yourself up for the rest of the day. I've got a question for you, Ted. Yeah. How many <clears throat> trading books have you read? And what are your top three? And then lastly, how did you get the trading book how did you get into in trading and investing okay so the first question i've probably read over 20 trading books um my top three it would have to be how to make money in stocks think and trade like a champion and stan weinstein's book i think secrets in profiting bull and bear markets and then the last question sorry what was the last question again uh, how did you get the trading book? Oh, who wrote how to make money in stocks? I'm kidding. That's a joke. It's Bill O'Neill. <laughs> uh, oh, and the last one, my friend introduced me to the markets after the COVID crash around April, 2020. And ever since then, we've just been grinding the markets. You've just been totally immersed in it. And you were actually headed toward a max. I mean, you're in, you know, making straight A's and, 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 and probably on the Dean's list and looking to try to, uh, be a maxiofacial surgeon or dentist, and all of a sudden you got this trading bug, and now you're immersed yourself in it. Now you're kind of thinking about a different career path. Now you've actually, you also interned before you came over to Revere. Who did you intern for, and what did you do? I interned at Trader Lion with Richard, Ray, Ross, and Nick. And what I did was I kind of critiqued their private service, I critiqued their other stock trading courses. I also took Stan Weinstein's course and helped create it. And I also took Oliver Kell's course, if you guys are familiar with him. He's a 2020 US investing champion and he did really well that year. Okay. That's 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 pretty, pretty yeah, he's impressive. So uh over summer break, uh a guy that I called the little ba- the little baby goat in my uh interview with Richard, he's gonna have uh spend his summer break with Jim Ropel. Or sorry, oh, winter, winter break with Jim Ropel. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very impressive. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so Ted is, uh, when Ted wants something, he goes and gets it. And that's, that's, got a lot uh, going on. that's something I love right. about it. And that, that speaking of wanting something and going and get it, he recommended a book to me that I'm really enjoying right now called The Rule by, 
uh, Larry Height. Larry Height. And mm-hmm. Larry Height. I um I'm a guy, I don't go through books quickly. I'm the guy that sits there with the highlighter and I'll read the same paragraph three or four times. If I, oh, I do the same really thing. Is worth is worth something that. So I'm going through it slowly. But the great thing about it is it it tells his story and how uh, determined he was in life. He was born blind in one eye, half blind in the other eye, and dyslexic in the in the eye that he only had half of the sight on. And he turned into the first uh, billion dollar hedge fund manager. So he just set his mind to it and he accomplished it. If you, you can, people talk about hurdles that they overcome. Imagine starting out life with that physical handicap and what he was able to turn it into. That's why it's such a great story. And uh, I, I enjoy books more than when they're just a dry uh, book on the markets. But when they've got a story to them, they're really enjoyable to me. And a great, uh, great recommendation there, Ted. The rule, how I beat the odds in the market and in life and how you can too by Larry Height. H-I-T-E Height. Yeah. H-I-T-E Height. Yep. Um, the, and as I speak, the markets are making fresh lows, I believe. Is that correct? The Dow's down yep. over 600. That is correct. Uh, yep. NASDAQ's down over 100, down 2.6. Boy, it's good to be almost virtually flat. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> Ugly. Um, we, took, we took a... We did take a paper cut at the beginning uh, of the day with the gap down, but within 30 minutes, we reduced our uh, exposure from a, a beta of 0.6 to a beta of 0.1, which is uh, where we're sitting now and just have watched everything go lower uh, since our exit. And we've got three tiny positions that are beating the market today, um, but short leash on everything. And if, if our stops take us out on them, they'll take us out on them. That's... It's part of the well, game. It's, it's why you, yep, you got to accept that. It's acceptance is the key. You know, grant me this ready to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Indeed. So the question is, what things can you change? That whole article about learned helplessness, about why you're focusing on the U.S. economy and you can't, you know, that I talked about earlier, instead of your own stuff, portfolio, that, you can control that. You, not not the U.S. economy, but your own portfolio. Mm. The problem is you have to have buy and sell rules. You can't just haphazardly put the money in and let it ride. It, it just doesn't work that way. We feel like we've got a easier, softer way. We've got a smoother way to do this, a, a smoother equity curve is, is what we call it. Okay, So there's less drawdown. And that makes it easier so that you don't freak out and you stay the course. Because a lot of these people, they're going to hit their pain threshold. If the market goes down another 3 or 4%, you'll see a wave of selling. Then it goes down another 5 or 6% after that, you'll see another wave of selling. People will hit certain pain thresholds, 20%, yeah. and 25%, and 30%. And that's why I'm saying this market could easily, and I'm not trying to sell fear, I'm just telling you the facts. It easily could go down another 15 or 20% from here. Don't count that out. Don't assume. Zach, bring, bring yeah. up my screen, Zach. There it is. Don't assume. This is, this is why, yeah, this is why we protect it. Danny's absolutely right. Right now, right now, the, the maximum loss was 25.6%. Look at these highlighted losses. The average loss is, is another 20% down over the, the most recent severe bear markets. People pretend that these don't actually occur. But they certainly do. And the average loss, 44.5%. You need an 80% gain in your portfolio to get back to even on that. So it could be years. 
So with that, if it has to be years, then I want to ask you, what's your time horizon? That's why it's so important to sync your time horizon with the market's time horizon trumps your time horizon. Right. The market doesn't care that you want to retire in five years and you need to make another 8% annualized for the next five years to be able to hit your goals. It, it doesn't care. Right. Okay. Mm. And your advisor may not be doing enough, to, you know, getting down in the trenches and watching this stuff to be able to save that. And if you, Don talks about it, the sequence of returns, that if you just do that pie chart buy and hold, it actually is just a function of when you retire, what the market is doing right before you retire, the quality of your retirement. So if you retire in 1999, you had twice as much money than if you retired at the end of 20, after the tech wreck, right? Or if you retired right at the end of 2008 versus 2007. So you don't, and now that also assumes you just take an annuity for life and never do anything again and never invest. But the whole point is, You've got to do so. You've got to be proactive in these kinds of markets. This yes. is not a yeah, primary. Mike, Michael brought up a great point when we were talking uh, last week on our our pre market call. He, we were we were discussing this exact point. And he said, "Yeah, these guys act like that. You know, your recovery time. You're just because they want to reset the clock for when you start to uh, begin to the climb to get back to even. You, your life doesn't restart at that point. You've got events. You've got." Uh, whatever you've been saving for, it happens. It doesn't just, you don't just reset back to when you were uh, at current minus 10 years old uh, to, to, to let your uh, nest egg recover. People have, uh, you know, you can't just look at the long term and say, well, long term, we go up 8%. So, you know, you'll get that, you'll get that back eventually. Well, eventually, sometimes you run out of eventually. If you've, if you've got the lifespan of, life. yeah, if you've got a lifespan of an oak tree, three, 400 years, you're fine. But, yeah. but people have a 30-year investment, on average, 30-year investment window and a 20 to 30-year retirement window. So the question is, what is the market doing right before that, the compounding window, the accumulation phase, what the market is doing? Because remember, when they show you that illustration, by the way, anytime you hear the word illustration, replace it with the word fantasy, mm. okay? But that 8% annualized over the course of 40 years, all of the, almost all of the gains, all of the compounding occurs in those last three or four years because 8% on $10,000 is 800 bucks. Big deal. 8% on a million dollars, right? Is $80,000. Yes. So all of the gains happen in the last five years, you know, from the time you're 25 to 35, you're putting in a thousand bucks a month. None of that matters. Fine. Dollar cost average. I don't care. But when you're 60 and you're going to retire in three years and you've got a nest egg of a Six, seven, eight hundred thousand or a million dollars. I don't care about the dollar cost. Hey, fine, do your little thousand dollars a month in dollar cost average, but it's the corpus that you have to protect. See, that's what they did. They deflect you and they distract you and make you think over here and oh, look at this. Whoa, you're still dollar cost averaging in. My dollar cost averaging in of a thousand bucks a month is not going to stop gap me losing 30% on a million dollars. Okay. My thousand or even two thousand dollars a month pales in a comparison to two hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred. That's why it's important. So don't make your retirement random. All right, folks. Now, my, my, we weren't able to get Michael back on. Uh, I don't know, Michael. Can you can, can we can, hear? Can you? you hear us, Michael? 
Still nothing. Once, no. last, twice. All right. That's he worked great, but right. That, that's all right. He, he had a good. Right. He had a good sector, but we will actually visit that sector next week. Unfortunately, I'm pressed for time. I apologize. We had, no, no, that's no problem. We 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 had a good show. This is a lot of stuff to talk about. This is going to give them a whole lot of. Oh, uh, now can you hear me? There he oh, is. Oh, there he is. Yeah. I don't believe it. All right. Zach, can you stay five more minutes? Uh, yeah, I can do five. We got five okay. minutes, Make Michael. Make five, Michael. You got it. Yeah. I mean, I can also save this for next week if if you prefer. Um, it's gonna be hard to go through in five minutes. Um, all right. Well, all right, why don't we? Why don't let's do that? Let's let's all say because right. it is sorry, it is Michael. a great yeah. sector. I can't wait next week. It, it, it. it is a great sector. People it, are gonna have to come back. And we did do the show a little bit earlier today because Zach asked, "Hey, I got something out in Rockwall. Can we please can we please do it a little bit early?" We said sure. So we did that. We're we're still working out a few. That we're getting better better at this though. Sure. I mean, remember, we're putting this podcast on with three remotes. We got an in studio with me here, yeah, and Zach here at the the the, the headquarters, mm-hmm. the, the 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 main campus studio, <laughs> for right. Beer Asset, yeah, and then and then Don down there with the Ramrick, Ramrick. That's an inside joke down in Florida. Yep. So we're in Flo- in California and Virginia. Yeah. So we're all over. Hey, we had Ted Connect mid show this week. That's the yeah, first. That yeah. was awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah. That was awesome. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Just go to revereasset.com. Up in the top right hand corner, there's a subscribe button. You can have them subscribe to our daily market insights video newsletter. It's a very short 10, 15 minute newsletter that Don does every night. Pretty soon Michael's gonna be start doing it. Ooh. And then Ted, but 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 it actually goes over the market conditions, both short-term, mid-term, and long-term. And then it goes over what we're actually doing in the shop, the buys and the sell. I mean, I don't know any other advisory firm that actually does it daily. All these other, like even ETFs and mutual funds, they just have to show you the top 10, hold, well, mutual funds for sure, top 10 holdings at the end of the quarter. They don't even have to show you everything. I mean, we're an open book. We're, we're talking about what we're doing. And by the way, I've had lots of people that follow us for about four or five months, and then they come on board and they tell me, man, once I, now I get it. Right. Now, now that I became a client, the newsletter really comes alive because I am seeing in real time what you guys are talking about. Because before it's a little bit, you know, out there in cyberspace, it's kind of esoteric. It's, it's a little bit, it's, you know, I can't sink my teeth into it. Now I'm actually seeing the actual, what, what they're talking about in real time. So, folks, if you're interested in a little help, just reach out to us. But if you do sign up, you get our daily market insight. You also get this podcast delivered into your inbox. You can listen to it on iTunes or Google Play. Spotify, iHeartMedia. But, but if you can watch it on the computer, we actually do the great. This is a video podcast, so you can actually see the, the, the charts and the graphs as we talk about it. Plus, you can see our pretty mugs because we're all very... Handsome right. devils. Handsome bunch. Uh, anyway, you can email any of us with any questions. Dan at revereasset.com. We made it real easy for you. Dan at revereasset.com. Don at revereasset.com. Um, Michael or Ted at revereasset.com. You can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. We'll talk to you next week on your money. Because it's not how much you make, it's how much you can keep.
Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.